This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Uh, roll Tide. What a game. What a game. I had, uh, to all our listeners, Naz has uh, got his Roll Tide sweatshirt in this uh, today, although I don't recognize the cap. The though. Buffalo Bills. Oh, I, I can't see. morning, so I, I have to see. wear that. Yeah, it looks like you uh, the black Buffalo Bills cap. Yeah. yeah, you got it. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great game there, Naz. But just a really really quick recap of uh, last Sunday. Um, what an incredible uh, incredible uh, college football uh, championship game. Uh, Monday night. Yeah, and I gotta give uh, I gotta give Saban credit. I mean, you know, only only uh, only a, a coach of his magnitude can make that kind of a change. Uh, and accept the consequences uh, if if that move goes wrong. But of course, I'm talking about changing his quarterback and going with the freshman at I, halftime. I'll Turn the you, game around. I'll tell you what; they have a great quarterback for the next couple of years. That kid is awesome. Yeah, he's uh, got quite the arm on him. Yeah, that was one incredible, uh, incredible throw at the end of the game. Um, you know, a freshman <laughs> rarely see what what that kid did, and I, I can't even pronounce his name. But uh, he looked one way, looked off the defenders, and then threw it 40, 40 yards and changed the other way. It was just absolutely spectacular. Naz, you getting tired of this? I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> there's no now challenge I, for you. I, I, you I, Alabama I, guys. I mean, are I, you getting tired of I'm this? I'm beginning to think I'm like it's like New England in the NFL. It's the same thing. Alabama and New England Patriots. Same thing, and, and I it, don't like New England, but I like Alabama. So. Man, uh, you got to give the Tide credit. I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Notre Dame or Fighting Irish guy, but you got to call a spade a spade. Certainly, the they were the, down thirteen nothing at yeah. halftime, and it looked like they were out. Shanahan, down and out. yeah, and Shanahan made the necessary adjustments. So, uh, congrats to all the all the Roll Tide guys. Uh, just to give the listeners a little roadmap for the show today. Uh, uh, a very, very controversial move made this week uh, by the Canadian men's soccer team. Um, uh, we'll be talking to Bob Iarushi about that. Bob, one of Canada's greatest uh, soccer players ever, uh, voted to the starting 11 of the greatest Canadian soccer players of all time. Um, uh, certainly a standout, a legendary soccer uh, soccer player in the Toronto area, minor soccer player, and then ultimately with Metro's Croatia, and played on some of those great New York Cosmos teams. And so we'll be talking to Bob Iarushi about that controversial move, and it's somewhat ironic. It's 15, 16, 20, 100 degrees below zero out there this morning. We're trying to thaw out, but we're talking about soccer. Uh, we'll talk about that. 
And shortly in the middle of the hour, it's it's Leaf uh, Leaf uh, Talk with Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, Bob Ayarushi, soccer, Joe Bowen, Toronto Maple Leafs and hockey. Looking forward to that. Um, getting back to uh, 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 the other uh, the other uh, uh, clothing appa- item of uh, a clothing apparel that you're wearing this morning, your Buffalo Bills. That was, you know what, Naz. Uh, wasn't the greatest football game I've ever watched. That uh, you know, there was that was a that was a snore fest. So let's uh, let's a great defensive game they called it. Well, oh, you know, I yeah. <laughs> except the Bills. Well, you know what the Bills. They can't, you know what they uh, they very easily could have won that game. Um, the offense, um, you know, for both teams uh, got neutralized, uh, but. Um, is, what does that is, mean is for the, the Jacksonville quarterback? Brutal or what? Yeah. He was awful. Bortle was awful. Yeah, and he's uh, he's gonna get uh, he's gonna get it handed to him today in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's a pretty good team, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the Patriots and the Steelers uh, uh, next Sunday because that's going to be look a past game. Jacksonville, their defense. Well, is I know, and, good ja- well. and, and Jacksonville. And they beat them 39 and, during the season. Yeah, so. Jacksonville laid a little bit of a beating on them. Uh, I don't even I lost track of what the status of Antonio Brown is for today's game. Um, but um, uh, I just, you know, I just Steelers are a better team. They're playing at home. It means something. It's going to be the Steelers and Patriots next Sunday, and that's going to be, for me, that's going to be the Super Bowl because there's no love lost between the Steelers and the Patriots. There's a lot of Steelers fans in the greater Toronto area, and they yeah. hate, they hate the Patriots. Um uh, uh, you know, I don't. I hate to use such a strong word, so let's use. Let's call it dislike. Uh, they dislike Belichick. They dislike everything the Patriots stand for. The Patriots have a lot of critics around the NFL. They've played fast and loose with the rules over the years, and uh, that should be one hell of a game, especially with after what happened in. Uh, in the Steelers uh, Patriots game earlier this year, which is a game the, the Steelers should have won, and sort of coughed it up a little bit at the end. I'm hearing that Tyrod Taylor is going to be going to Denver of all places next year. I think the Bills are not going to sign him, and uh, he's going to end up with Denver. Let's let's so. talk a little bit about that, Naz. I know you're you know we're uh, we're we're Buffalo Bills guys, and um, Ty, Tyrod. That's the biggest you know the biggest crit- criticism of this Bills team. Um, is can Tyrod Taylor take you to the promised land? I mean, he took you to the playoffs. It was a, sort of an abysmal performance against Jacksonville. But, you know, in Bill's land, we'll take whatever uh, positive we can get. It was our first time in the playoffs in, what, 17 years, 18, since yeah. the music, at, since the miracle in uh, uh, against Tennessee uh, that we, uh, Music City Miracle, with 99, 1999 or whatever whatever it was. So we're happy that we made the playoffs, but uh, is Tyrod Taylor uh, the guy who's going to lead the Bills to the promised line? No, I don't think so. I think they they may end up uh, not signing Taylor. I think he's going to Denver. That's the talk. And they'd be wise to go after, uh, in a trade, Alex Smith from Kansas City. Because uh, he's going to be on his way out because of the uh, court, the number one quarterback coming in, 
And uh, that's the Bills need somebody stable like that, and they need to draft a quarterback in this draft. And, and your assessment, uh, I mean, we obviously made progress because the Bills made the playoffs this year. Um, new coach uh, seemed to be, aside from that, uh, I would call it that one disastrous afternoon in, I was about to say San Diego, but San Diego's not in the league anymore. The Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, or whatever they're called nowadays, um, that was a pretty disastrous afternoon when they, they sure the, Peterman had and five Pe- interceptions. Peterman comes in last week, and he ends yeah. up throwing an interse- interception yeah. in the last play. Right? Yeah. So uh, what, what's your assessment of the progress the Bills have made? And uh, where, what's, uh, where do you see the Bills fitting in next year? I think the, the, the Bills are going to have a similar season to this past season. I think they'll probably be an 8-8, eight 9-7 and eight, nine and seven team. May make the playoffs, may not make the playoffs. There's just not enough talent on that team right now. Defensively, they're, they're, they're good, but they need some work. And offense, they got to get some receivers too because they lack in the wide receiver. Their running back is fantastic. McCoy is a tremendous player. But uh, they need to uh, draft and draft well. Certainly uh, 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 positive result for the Bills fans this year. We got into the playoffs by, uh, you know, with this, that you was know, a, miracle like, a, miracle, a miracle of our own. And a uh, whole bunch of chicken wings and donations end up going from Buffalo to Cincinnati. And uh, uh, hopefully next year we start off strong and we make, uh, we make another run. Um, Last night, a game that you watched. Unfortunately, I uh, wasn't able to take it in. Uh, Toronto Raptors. Um, they had, the Raptors had an interesting week. Um, they laid a beating on the Cleveland Cavaliers earlier in the week. Uh, and then they got the Warriors last night. Um, at the beginning of the week, if anybody had, had have said that the Raptors would win one and lose one, I think every. Most people would have said we'd be happy about that. Raptors have had a, a pretty good run. Uh, you know, they're in the thick of the action, and uh, you know, at some point they may challenge the Celtics for first place. They uh, certainly uh, have had a run uh, that we haven't seen in a long time. We had we ended up with last year's two finalists, the Cavs and the Warriors. They laid a beating on the Cavs, um, and then. Uh, they got blown out by the Warriors in the first half yesterday, and then they turned it around, and they made a game of it. Uh, Naz, your thoughts? DeMar DeRozan is now a superstar. He is that wow. good. Wow. He is that good. Wow. Hold on. Let, let me, oh, hold on, Naz. Let me hold you to that thought. I'm, I'm going to come right back to you. DeMar DeRozan is a superstar. Okay, in the pantheon of NBA superstars... Top five. Top five? Yeah. In the league right now. Top five? Yeah. Wow. What are you seeing, Naz? He's that good. What are you seeing? What what happened? Well, he's uh, been able to shoot threes now, and um, his uh, work ethic is incredible. He now lays up on a left-hander all the time where Butch was saying that he couldn't do it, that DeMar wasn't doing that. And he shoots with his left and right, and he's got a great move to the basket. He goes to the foul line quite a bit. And the, the guy's in shape. He's in tremendous shape, and he always improves his game. And he's now a superstar. He's in the top five in the league for sure. He's that good. Very complimentary words from Naz Marchese. He's top that five good. in the league. Well, certainly the results for, uh, for DeRozan have been uh, exceptional. 
uh, to put it mildly, the last little while. Uh, he had a 52-point game in there. At, 46 at, last night. 46. Uh, it's certainly, uh, I don't disagree with you, Naz. There's no question in my mind that he's taken his game to a different level. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, last night... Uh, they were they were they were getting it handed to them in the first half, and they they came back and um, and the uh, the quarterback of their offense was 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 missing last night, Kyle Lowry. Um, so certainly bodes well for the Raptors in this stretch run. Um, seems to me that Casey is uh, is uh, putting the putting the parts in the right places, and some of the some of the young guys that uh, seem to have become significant contributors. The Warriors are ahead of everybody. They're in, they're on top, and then you've got Cleveland, Toronto, Boston, and the next three. And then there's San Antonio, and there's a bunch of teams, Houston, that are around there too. But the Warriors' difference is Kevin Durant. There's no match for Kevin Durant on either Cleveland or uh, Toronto. That's the difference. Kevin Durant is the difference, and that's uh, that's obviously. Um, I mean, if if you know, cross our fingers. If the Raptors manage to get through, I mean, they'd ne- they wouldn't see the Warriors till the till the to NBA the Finals, uh, and then we'll worry about that problem then. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's certainly uh, a, it it creates all kinds of different matchup problems. But uh, as they say, we'll be glad to have that problem if if that situation ever arose. Uh, but uh, kudos to the Raptors. Uh, uh, having, they're having a, a great season and uh, exciting to watch. And like you say, Naz, uh, DeMar DeRozan seems to have become a superstar in this league. And no hopefully question. he keeps it. Hopefully he keeps it going. And uh, Casey seems to uh, be pushing all the right buttons with this team uh, so far. So uh, we'll keep be keeping a closer eye on them. Uh, we'll be going to break now. When we come back from break, we'll be talking to one of Canada's soccer legends. Bob Iarushi, and we'll be talking about something very controversial that happened this week. Um, uh, Ottavio Zambrano, the coach of Canada's men's soccer team, was, uh, what's the word, fired uh, earlier in the week, and it came from nowhere, and it caught the soccer community in Canada completely perplexed. Uh, Canada's men's soccer team seemed to have been playing a excellent brand of soccer in the in the gold cup with zambrano at the helm and after 10 months or nine months or whatever it was they decided to fire him and bring in john herdman who was the coach of uh, and and this is no criticism of herdman uh who's done wonders with the with the women's program but he's been installed as the coach of the uh, men's soccer team and that has drawn a lot of criticism so we'll be talking to bob Ayarushi when we come back from the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville unveiled the new Pizzaville app. Order your Pizzaville favourites right on your cell phone. Unlike other apps, with the Pizzaville app, you can also pay for your order. It's fast and secure. Unlike me half-brother Raul, who's slow and, since the accident with his elevator shoes, very insecure. Download your free Pizzaville app today from the Apple App Store or Google Play. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. Live streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Nazan Waller Sports Hour this morning, Robert Ayarushi. Bob is a former star NASL player and a member of the Canadian national soccer team for so many years, a member of the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame. And in 2012, he was selected to the all-time Canada 11 men's team, certainly one of Canada's soccer legends. Welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour this morning, Bob. How are you, sir? Yeah, good morning, Walter. I'm doing good. Thanks so much. Uh, I'll get right to it, Bob. Uh, we, we had a little chat on the phone the other day. Um, I think you and I and Naz, uh, my co-host, are probably on the same wavelength. Uh, shocking news in a lot of ways. Uh, came, came out earlier this week. Uh, Otavio Zambrano, the uh, coach of the Canadian men's soccer team, I think he had been there for nine, ten months, was fired. And in his place, uh, they installed John Herdman, who was the coach of the women's team. Bob, very simply, your reaction. Well, I mean, my gut reaction um, tells me that it all stinks. Um, but uh, I, I don't know what the some of the inner dealings are. I don't know what kind of a relationship Zambrano had with uh, you know influential people at the CSA. Obviously, not a good one. Since uh, after ten months, and especially after delivering, in my opinion, a, a, a pretty attractive Canadian national team that played uh, probably the best football I've seen in the last twenty twenty five years. Um, and a team that looked like it wanted to go forward, a team that introduced young young players into the uh, into the game at at, at crucial times, uh, and a team that was uh, I mean I mean since I love the game so much and I have so many of my friends that love it as well, we talk daily about it, and and at the time we were very very encouraged by what we saw, and so um, you know uh, Zambrano being ushered unceremoniously out of the job after 10 months after producing that type of performance 
uh, makes me think that um, you know once again, you know somebody you know <laughs> somebody's uh, planted a negative seed for uh, Zambrano within the uh, within the uh, the decision making table at the CSA, and and that led to his non favoring a long term type of uh, approach. Uh, and then you, then you add the uh, you know the soap opera of John Herdman who who got tired of coaching women and uh, you know wanted to give himself a challenge and and I understand John's point of view uh, but to to tell the CSA listen uh, I don't want to do this anymore but I'm only going to stay if you you give me the national team because uh, you know England is calling well I mean I would have told him to get on a slow boat to Southampton <laughs> that's what I would have done. Uh, but, you know, that's just, once again, that's just my competitive spirit speaking, and I don't have all the facts. Uh, so I don't know. It just, this would never happen in any, in any serious soccer country, but Canada hasn't, uh, hasn't achieved any type of status on, you know, uh, soccer serious country. Bob, what, what's the difference between the uh, women's game and the men's game? Night and day. Elaborate. Elaborate. Well... First of all, you know, you're dealing with men who are making, you know, big salaries on important teams uh, and, and are looking to, you know, uh, you know, become established in the, in the high-profile soccer world. Uh, these guys come, come to the national program, and they're looking for credibility. They're looking for someone that can, uh, and a program that can accentuate their careers. I mean, the, the, the ladies, uh, God bless them, they, 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 they play the game for the love. For most part, I mean, they are trying to better themselves within the, you know, within the uh, the growth of the of the women's game, but um, it's a different dynamic. It's a different team dynamic. It's a different uh, uh, sort of skill in terms of uh, you know um, individual uh, man management, in my opinion. Um, and um, uh, you know, it, when you get a coach for a national program, I mean, the, the players are already fit. You don't have to worry about fitness. You don't have to. You don't. You don't take them as as John Herdman did with the ladies for a, for a whole year period because they don't have to go anywhere else except for this program. For the by and large, I mean they're not really encumbered by by other uh, uh, you know uh, soccer jobs and uh, and you can you know you can work with them for a long time. You can mold them. It's like a club team. Uh, coaching a men's national team is not like coaching a, a club team. You get them for a short period of time. You got to put them together. You got to know the right combination. You've got to get into their heads. You've got to build a team dynamic. And, and most of the guys that don't play are usually hoping that the guys who are playing, um, you know, don't don't do well so that they can play. That's just the way it is. We're, we're talking okay. to Bob Ayarushi. Bob, uh, I want to echo some of the things. Uh, um, and we, we, you know, you know, you, you you're good friends with Carmen and Mark Antonio, and we've talked with Carmen on the phone uh, on uh, on this show about this specific uh, topic is, you know what, my eyes don't lie to me when I watch, and I've been watching soccer, played it uh, quite a bit when I was younger. When, when I watch that Canadian men's national soccer team again, in that game, I believe it's the Gold Cup against Jamaica, they lost the game. Uh, and Jamaica's been a nemesis of theirs for, for a long, long time. You probably fought a few battles against them as well, Bob. But mm-hmm. uh, I watched them play in that Gold Cup, and I watched them play against Jamaica, and I had to look at the television screen about four times. I said, is that really Canada's men's national soccer team playing out there? Because 
under Zambrano, and correct me if I'm wrong, I want your professional opinion, Bob, in that Jamaica game, that was a quality of performance. That was a brand of soccer. It was tactically different. Uh, the, the Canadian men's national soccer team were able to do things in that game, establish a rhythm, establish a pace, possess the ball uh, in a way that I haven't seen in a, in, in a generation of soccer in this country. Am I missing something? Well, I mean that's that's basically what I said when we when we started this conversation um, five minutes ago. I, I agreed, you know, totally with that assessment, Walter. I, uh, I I thought that Canada deserved to beat Jamaica. They, Jamaica scored, um, if I recall, two, uh, you know, fantastic goals. So did uh, Junior Hoylet score a great goal on a on a bender to the far post and. Uh, and and what I liked about Canada was that um, you know they they dominated possession of that game, uh, something that Canadian teams are noted for. You know, I mean, people say, well, you know, you don't really you don't really look at possession. Well, I do. I mean, I look at possession as an important factor of of uh, you know the team's respect that they get. You know, uh, and uh, you know with Canada playing the ball out of the back comfortably, with Canada looking for midfield play, interchanging, overlapping, people getting forward, all those things were happening. And you know what? You can be on the wrong side of a result, but you can be, but you can play well, and you can get respect from from those who have watched you uh, perform and acknowledge that you have played well. And I think I think that's what Zambrano achieved. In his first major competition, now they're not giving him any more uh, opportunity because, of course, the you know they can't use the pre- they can't lose the precious uh, you know John Herdman. I mean, really, I mean, where 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 was the last time? When was the last time John Herdman coached a serious men's program? I don't know. I'm not saying that he can't do well, uh, and he's probably you know has a lot of uh, you know strong values as a coach. I don't want to I don't want to deny that John uh, that to John because I think he deserves. Um, you know our support once he's in there, but but the actual decision to make him coach, I mean, really, I don't know. I don't think if if his if his career was on a uh, a resume that it would do very well with some of the other resumes that the CSA might might have on their desk as well. I'm I'm going to be blunt here, uh, Bob, um, and I've got no criticism with John Herdman and with the fantastic job he's done with the women's team, um, but. Um, this is this is world class national soccer. We have to compete again. We got to get through Mexico. We got to get through Costa Rica. We got to get through Jamaica. We got to get through Panama. Uh, we got to get through those teams. And you know, we got to play friendlies against Brazil and Argentina and the Dutch and Italy, whoever we have to play. And 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 we and we've take we've given it to, for all intents and purposes. Let's be frank here, an inexperienced coach. He's not coached at a world-class level, men. Um, and that's, that's a substan- in my assessment, that's a substantial gamble that the Canadian Men's Soccer, Asso- Canadian Soccer Association is making. And it doesn't make any sense to me, especially when you think about, you know, we're, we're peaking and there's a really good chance that we're going to be in the 2026 World Cup just because we're going to be hosting part of that World Cup. And we want to have, a, you know, a world-class team in that event. And we're really going with a rookie coach at this point in time, are we not? Well, we are, and you know, I think it's all dictated by money, because the CSA always claims they don't have money. 
well, what they don't have is a good reputation, first of all, because what should be done is that, you know, Canada is one of the seven, you know, strongest industrial nations in the world, you know, should be proud enough to, to have a, a national soccer team that can, can actually, uh, you know, uh, compete in these, in, in, in international soccer matches at a, at a high level and, and do a lot better than what we've done over the last 40, 50 years. And I think that the strategy should not have been to, to hire somebody who's warm and fuzzy and close and cheap, uh, they should have gone out and gotten a great coach. And you know what? There's enough people in this country who love the game of soccer, who have a lot of money and would be willing to put up some money in an investment to see the game grow under the leadership of a very, 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 very good coach, someone like Jurgen Klopp, for instance, who I consider to be probably the top candidate to coach Canada. Uh, I know that he probably has a lot of important soccer matches to coach yet, but this is a guy that I would have I would have looked to. I would have. I know he may he may cost eight, ten, twelve million dollars a year. So what? I mean, imagine how how much goodwill, uh, you know, positive awareness, strong feeling, incredible credibility that he would bring to the national program. Uh, and this is, in my opinion, a strategy that Canada doesn't want to even look at because. I don't think there's anybody in that in that room that decides things has any sell, sales skills at all. This would require somebody, a Pied Piper, to go across the country and and get people to be on board uh, an investment program that would allow us to hire a coach that Canada deserves. Bob, you're a player on the uh, national team right now. Put your put yourself in their situation. How would you feel with uh, that coach coming in, respect wise? Well, not only on the men's, but also on the ladies' side. How would you feel if, you know, he, I don't even think he communicated with, with the women with regards to his future. So right there, that you know, that whole group would feel a little bit slighted. I mean, on the men's side, I think there's confusion. I think John will have a chance, Herdman will have, to, will have a chance to, you know, to have them believers. And, I, and, and you know, if he's, if, he's, if he's a good coach, good quality, and he probably will have, uh, he'll have a chance. I mean, there's a lot of players that are, that will believe, but deep down inside, subconsciously, they're waiting for, you know, they're waiting for a reason to to say, "See, I told you so." Um, so, uh, you know, soccer players are fragile uh, <laughs> athletes because they're always looking for an excuse to protect themselves in case things don't go well. Especially if you play on a on a team whose program has never gone well, except for. You know, some glimpses in 1986 and maybe the year 2000 when we won the Gold Cup. So, um, you know, when you enter a national program, you know, you're, you're, you're hoping that it accentuates your career, but sometimes it might hurt your career, especially, you know, if you don't, if you don't come up with, with results that, uh, that you could be proud of. So you're, you're looking for people to help you get those results. Uh, right now, you know, they're all scratching their heads saying, geez, I really liked the way it was with, with Sam Brown, and now we've got to start all over again. Um, but, you know, and once again, in all fairness to Herdman, he deserves, uh, now that he's appointed, now that all the, you know, now that it's out, and by the way, the way that it came out was embarrassing as well. So, uh, you know, they didn't have a proper announcement. Uh, it, it leaked. And uh, when things leak, leak, it's usually because a whole bunch of people aren't pretty happy about what's going to be announced, you know, so... That's what happens when it leaks, you know, and you just look at our, our friend Donald Trump in the, in, in the United <laughs> States with all of his leaks. It's not because he's a popular guy and people are protecting him. It's because people are looking to uh, discredit him, right? So 
that's the type of stuff that happens when you know you just don't produce results. You haven't had a, a winning program, and um, and you know we we don't have a voice for soccer in this country. You know who's the voice of soccer in this country? Who speaks on behalf of the leadership of Canada? Who? You know that that's another problem. You know when you think of of Canadian soccer, who's the person that should be you know answering the questions and 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 convincing people that things are going better and we're on our way up and now the uh, you know the program is is where it should be who is that person we don't even have that person bob what's your assessment of the talent level in canada canadian soccer today i think the talent level is as strong as any other uh, i mean right is it iceland is going to have more more talent <laughs> than we have on on an island of 350,000 people i don't think so it 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 all it all comes down to the fact that in canada we do not have a strong soccer structure. That's our problem. So all the raw material can't be refined properly because the structure doesn't allow the player to grow properly. And players develop, especially when they hit 16, 15, 16, 17, when they're always challenged against competition of the highest ilk. And if we don't provide, uh, you know, uh, like now we're talking about a new league, this is good, a new Canadian professional soccer league, that focuses on the development of Canadian players, not MLS, that don't focus on developing Canadian players. They focus on developing American players. TFC has 17 players on their roster, Americans. They have an American president, an American coach, an American GM, an American assistant coach, one, two, and three. You know, when do, when do we start introducing Canada to this team in, in, this, in this province? Now, you know, and, I, and I'm in a, a minority because obviously a whole bunch of people love this club. They've played well. They've won a championship. They deserve the accolades. But if you're talking about them helping Canada, I mean, you know, I don't see it. I don't hear it in their mandate. Well, we're talking to uh, uh, Bob Ayarushi. Bob, uh Naz, do you have one last question? No, no, go ahead. Okay. No, sorry, Bob. We're going to have to let you go. Uh, we've got to, got to move on to other yeah. topics. Listen, we 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 uh, well, obviously the story, the the complete story hasn't come out yet, and it and it will. And somehow I feel it's not going to be uh, might might even be a bit more embarrassing to the CSA when it when the real story comes out. I don't think we've heard all the facts, but uh, we want to hear all the facts. I think that's what we're missing. We generally want to hear all the facts and why the CSA really thought that this was the appropriate move because the, know, lo- just, the logic of it is seemingly escaping most of us right now. Yeah, Walter, if I can just add one Please. more thing. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't heard what Victor Montigliani thinks. So Victor is the past national uh, um, president. He was responsible to bring Zambrano in. He's now on the, the, the top executive board of FIFA in Zurich and, and probably one of the most influential guys in, on that board. And it would be interesting to hear what Victor thinks about this whole thing. Listen, Bob, it's, it's been a pleasure. We hope to Thanks. do this again. And uh, absolutely love your passion about soccer. Thanks, uh, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us today and, and sharing that passion and energy with us. Thanks so much, Bob. Very good. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. That, of course, was Canadian soccer legend Bob Ayarushi. Uh, Naz, uh, we've got to go to break, and we'll be right back after the break with the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams or special ops units. Go, 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 go! Everybody down! 
So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. Good morning, Joe. How are you, sir? Good, guys. How are you today? We're doing great. First of all, Joe, I've got to ask you, is uh, how's the voice? Oh, good, good. Is, uh, a couple of days off has certainly helped. Is the crowd gargling with the Crown Royal working? Uh, yes, it's uh, the, the, uh, the one and only great uh, elixir that I uh, rely on in those emergencies. <laughs> Anyways, Joe, I've got to take advantage. We haven't chatted in a while, and uh, unfortunately i got Naz staring at me with his, with his roll-tied... Uh, Alabama sweatshirt on this morning, and I, I got to take the opportunity. If it's either you or Theisman, I got to talk up Notre Dame football a little bit. Uh, just a little recap. A pretty good year for us, wasn't it, Joe? Well, uh, when you consider you lost by one to the team that went to the national final, and uh, except for you know a couple of really one plays uh, with Stanford, and 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 they might have actually been there. So. Having said that, yeah, I think coming back from uh, what they had uh, a year ago to uh, this point, I think is a pretty good, pretty good turnaround. They've lost a couple of important coaches, but they'll uh, they'll move from within and uh, and see what happens next year. But I, I think they've got uh, the makings of a good team again next year, and who knows? Coming back to the uh, to the local scene, Joe, uh, it, it's getting pretty well to the midway point of the season. We're right there. And uh, Leafs' uh, first half of the season has, as I like any other NHL season, unless you're like one of the top top team, uh, it's had a little bit of its ups and downs. Uh, uh, certainly, the Ottawa game uh, is was a, sort of the last one here was sort of tough to take. Uh, but the Leafs, I've noticed in the last little while, have gotten into this disturbing pattern 
of getting behind early in games. Uh, are you noticing that too as well, Joe? Well, I mean, it's a long season and they're going to have a lot of ups and downs, as you mentioned. I think the one thing that we've noticed this year is that they're probably a better team. I think that they're, it's, it's disappointing that some of the, the younger players haven't kind of gone to the next level as far as points are concerned. But the Leafs are better at doing a number of things. One, uh, they're much better at, at holding leads uh, in spite of you know recent, a recent game or two. They're better in overtime. They're better in shootouts. But the biggest advantage that they've had really this year has been the absolute demise of the Detroit Red Wings, Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators, and Buffalo Sabres. So every other team in the Atlantic, say Tampa, Boston, and Toronto, have really bottomed out. And uh, so at this particular point, whether um, for the lack of a better term, the Leafs are really not being pushed. They're going to, you know, it appears, be headed for a first-round matchup with the Boston Bruins, failing uh, a magical turnaround by uh, teams like um, Ottawa or Montreal or Detroit, which doesn't really look like that's going to happen. The Leafs haven't even played Buffalo yet. That's not, they've got four games with the Sabres that don't start until March. And you can only imagine what the uh, Sabres lineup's going to look like come March after the trade deadline, but... That'll be an interesting situation, but they, they, they are kind of, for the lack of a better term, I guess, just kind of there. And I don't think that they feel at this point, even though I'm sure the coaching staff is trying to push them, they can read numbers. They know exactly where they are in the standings, and I don't think they're being pushed yet. Joe, how much do they miss Nikita Saitsev? Well, he eats up a lot of minutes, and he's played very, very well uh, on defense for them. He, he, he plays a lot on the penalty kill, so obviously people get pushed from, you know, uh, up, up a notch. Uh, and he's really probably, if not their best defenseman, he is certainly in their top two, and that means everybody moves up a notch. So we'll, uh, they'll miss him, hopefully get him back very shortly after the break. Uh, Joe, uh, inevitably, it's that time of year, uh, and I you know, heard an interview with Lou Lamorello this week. Uh, it's time to start talking about trade deadline, and you, you made uh, you know the excellent point. Uh, uh, Leafs are, I think, and I'm not sure if it's ten points or twelve points ahead of their, uh, but it would it would take a disaster of monumental proportions for the Leafs. You mean like a an eighteen wheeler going off? <laughs> Uh, didn't that happen to us in the we, last the, yeah, the, the yeah, last year of the Randy Carlisle era? There, I, there, have, there have been, and we've watched oh, I, them, I, so. I, Oh, them. my God. I, I, I apologize to everybody out there that I even brought that up. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I, I hope uh, no. I hope I didn't put a pox on on and I'm, and I'm and I know that I didn't because I know this Leaf team is uh, is is they're they're wearing the same blue and white as some of those teams from five years ago, but they're completely different uh, characters and completely different teams. So that's not going to happen. But uh, trade deadline is going to be an issue that's going to become more topical as we make that mad rush towards the. Uh, the end of February. Um, obviously, any general manager, when you ask him the question, uh, will never say he's not going to make a deal if it's in the best interest of the team. Uh, of course he's going to make the deal. Uh, where do you see... Uh, obviously, I can't see the Leafs. They're going to try to make the team better, and defense seems to be the obvious place to try and do it. 
Um, is that your assessment too, Joe? Well, I, it, it's a, the old adage about uh, if you're going to trade for somebody, who are you going to give up? Um, the Obviously, teams that have unrestricted free agents, and the Leafs have um, a couple of those, uh, look to maybe move those to make sure that they get something in return uh, going forward. I'm not so sure the Leafs need to even do that. Um, and Bozak and, and Van Riemsdyk are, are two of the, the, the key parts to that. Um, I think that we have watched a lot of young players come up from a very, very good Marley team um, to fill in, to show that they can actually play at the National Hockey League level. Um, and I think under those circumstances, the Leafs are probably in no major reason to move anybody or do anything at the trade deadline. Um, uh, recent rumors about Jack Johnson asking for a trade. Well, that's fine, but who are you going to give up? Who, you know, and, and that is an area that I think is, is a, a bit concerning. But the Maple Leafs have some great young defensemen coming along. Um, we've just seen recently, uh, you know, how deep they are at the, in that department. Lilligren hasn't been up. He's going to be a very good defenseman as uh, he continues his work in the American Hockey League. So I don't know as there's an awful lot of pressure at all on the Maple Leafs to do anything like this to, to you know, move, uh, move players uh, and to go after people. So... It, it will really have to be uh, an enormous uh, upside for the Maple Leafs, I think, in order for them to pull a trigger on a trade that would disrupt the lineup that they currently have on the ice going forward in, in the next little while. Joe, uh, we had a passing away of Keith Jackson yesterday, and you're a big college guy. What are your impressions of Keith Jackson? I'm sorry, Wally, I broke yeah, you, up there. I didn't hear Keith you. Keith Jackson passed away yesterday. Uh, yes. Great college uh, broadcaster in the Olympics, too. Your impression of Keith Jackson as a broadcaster? Oh, my. Um, well, I mean, a Hall of Fame broadcaster, obviously. Um, uh, someone who transcended um, various sports. Um, I mean, his college football calls were legendary. Um, I mean, he Monday Night Football... I mean, uh, he, he really did transcend a lot of uh, different areas. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, we've lost a couple of them this year. Mm. So um, uh, it's, it's disheartening. I mean, he was, uh, uh, he was a mainstay on the weekends. There, was, uh, there wasn't a weekend, I don't think, that you didn't go by where you didn't hear Keith Jackson's voice on something, whether it was uh, a wide world of sports or, or something growing up. So... Yeah, we've uh, uh, lost a couple of them this year, and that's that's disheartening. Uh, Joe, just and I know Joe Bowen. Uh, there's only one Joe Bowen, and uh, you know we've expressed our admiration for you uh, in the past. But uh, it's on the topic of, of broadcasters. Any one singular broadcaster that had uh, a greater influence on your career than perhaps anybody else? Um. I, well, I mean, obviously. For hockey, uh, Foster was first, but uh, even though I hated him, <laughs> uh, Danny Gallivan was the best, I think, that I've ever heard. And, and when I got to meet Danny, you couldn't hate him. He just hated because he was doing the Montreal games. But um, I, I have often said that uh, Danny is uh, alone on the pinnacle at the top, and 
a lot of uh, rest of us are swallowing around in the mire down below trying to uh, make our way through. But he was he was the absolute best. And Ray Scott, I always really enjoyed because uh, he let the game breathe and the way he uh, made his calls. And I I got an opportunity to meet him uh, once, uh, just kind of doing a, a show that his son was doing, and he happened to be on the air. And uh, uh, they wanted to talk hockey, and I wanted to talk Ray Scott. So uh, I would say those two or, or three uh, had a, a very big impact on what I was trying to do. Uh, we've been talking to Joe Bourne. Joe, uh, we'll just uh, ra- uh, round this up by just saying thank you. Uh, you know how much uh, we love having you on, and we, you know how much we love uh, your broadcasts, and uh, uh, hopefully we chat again real soon. Thanks so much for joining us. Joe, okay, hear- Wally Nez, thank you very much. Hey, Joe, I hear that Green Bay is playing Buffalo next year, so mark yeah. that down on your calendar. Yeah, I can hardly wait to get that date organized. <laughs> Thanks so much, Joe. And, and Notre Dame is playing Wisconsin at Lambeau Field in a oh couple Oh, my years. God. Oh, yeah, baby. Okay, we're going to have to Naz and I. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this Alabama guy down to watch some, some fighting there Irish games go. last year. All right, Joe, we'll, th- we'll let him jump on a picnic table. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. That, of course, was the uh, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. And uh, I was looking at the schedule yesterday, and Green Bay plays Buffalo next got, year. we got time for maybe one or two quick calls. I'll just give out the numbers if you're by your phones. Uh, area code 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Really quickly, I'll give those numbers out again, and I'll try and slow down this time. 416 360 Zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. If you want to chat sports, by all means, give us a call. Naz Keith Jackson. Um, you know we've lost a few this year. Dick Enberg. Dick Enberg. Uh, Keith, Keith Jackson was uh, was called the voice of college football in the United States. Um, interestingly enough, about Keith Jackson, my first recollection of Keith Jackson. And I just, I just love listening to him uh, uh, do football. Was um, was Monday Night Football? He was actually, he was actually broadcasting Monday Night Football the very first year. I don't think he lasted on it. Uh, not that uh, I think he moved on to different things, but he was the, the original voice of. Uh, Monday Night Football on ABC together with Howard Cosell. I don't know how well he got along with Howard. I think a lot of people had problems with Howard. But, uh, yeah, a legend. uh, Did so many interesting things. Um, Just, you know, we talked about, and Joe talked about some of the guys on, and, you know, it brought up a name I'd completely forgotten about, Ray Scott. Ray Scott, yeah. Ray Scott, you know, he used to to come on at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoons on CBS, seemed to be doing Packer games most of the time. Uh, Maybe that's where Joe got the, uh, got the affinity for, for Ray Scott. But, uh, yeah, certainly Keith Jackson, certainly a legend, so many great memories, so many great calls, and... You know these these these, and he brought up the name. You know, Joe brought up the name Danny Gallivan. I mean, these these broadcasters just elevated games to a different level. And I always said, you know, an exceptional broadcaster can make a lousy game interesting and make an interesting game Hall of Fame worthy. Um, and uh, Keith Jackson's gone. Whoa, Nelly. Anyways, uh, on the line from Buffalo, Kevin. 
How are you doing this morning, Kevin? Well, good morning, gentlemen, and you couldn't have summed it up better with Keith Jackson, just a, a great, great broadcaster, and uh, amazing with Dick Enberg a, a, a month back, too, just two great broadcasters, and wanted to mention, gentlemen, uh, Monday afternoon, the Toronto Raptors are, are playing the Philadelphia 76ers, and Boy, the Raptors, it's been an exciting season so far for Toronto. Uh, playing DeRosa, I mean, has been on such a tear. He's been playing so well. And I'll add one other quick comment. Uh, last week, the exciting, the final game with Team Canada winning, over 17,500 fans in Buffalo that Friday night. It was an electric atmosphere and uh, just Great, great to see Team Canada win that Friday evening game. And was a little disappointed, though, all week on the attendance here in Buffalo. The tournament, it just didn't seem to take off as much as I thought it would. I'll just wish you gentlemen a nice week. Enjoy your show and, and your your wonderful station. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Kevin. Appreciate it. And uh, I think you mentioned the Raptors are playing the Sixers on Monday. Martin, Martin, it's Martin Luther, Luther King, King Day, Day. On, on Monday in the States. So uh, uh, is that an afternoon game? Afternoon, afternoon one o'clock. Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly uh, Kevin brought up uh, the thing about the World Juniors and the attendance. And I, I think what... Uh, a couple of factors probably uh, uh, led to. Uh, I mean, the attendance wasn't horrific. It just, uh, you know, the standards of the World Juniors have become so high, uh, and they've gone to the well in this area, in the Toronto area, in the Southern Ontario area. I mean, it was it the third, fourth time in the last four, seven, four eight years. Six years, yeah. Yeah, so it, you know, it's uh, you know, you got to move the, especially in Canada. There's, you know. There's so many other places. They seem to, you know, they want to go to Toronto. They want to go to Montreal. They want to go to Vancouver. But, you know, let's not forget about some of the, you know, and, you know, that may be driven just by mon economic considerations because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of money in in the great metropolitan areas. But let's not forget the Red Deers and the Lethbridges and the Londons and uh, some of these other communities that have out, have been outstanding supporters of junior hockey. Um and, you know, if you want to, you know, you, you stick a tournament, uh, uh, World Juniors in Lethbridge or Red Deer or a combination thereof, uh, you know, you get a different reaction. Naz, really quickly, then I, I've got a shout-out I want to make when I wrap up the show. Yeah, uh, they, they drew 45000 for the outdoor game, so they did draw attendance-wise because if you add that 45000 yeah. in, it's not too bad. But I agree with you. It should be moved around for sure. I, I think they should move it around. There's there's a, a gentleman uh, yesterday that made his NHL debut that we really want to uh, say a few words about. Uh, when we first started off in the Nazawali Sports Hour, uh, four, uh, I can't even remember how many years ago, Naz. Now it's four or five years. Well, uh, I know it's the end of March. Uh, one of our first interviews, uh, right in the first couple of months, was a gentleman by the name of Michael Del Cole, who uh, uh, we interviewed him right after he was drafted by the New York Islanders, and we wished them all the best. And uh, I know Michael, I know his family, they're outstanding people. Michael made his uh, NHL debut yesterday afternoon with the New York Islanders and played very well. 13 minutes, some power play time, a plus one, and... 
Apparently, according to his dad, uh, he was told to pack his bags and head. Uh, he's heading with the team to Montreal. So, Michael, you uh, you are a big supporter, and uh, we interviewed you a couple of times early in your career. So uh, it's our opportunity to say. Best of luck. We wish you all the best, and uh, we hope the puck bounces your way. Uh, Naz, it's been another great week for the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. Naz, last word. See you next week. Take care. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.